Welcome to Nerds Collide, a podcast about all things geeky and possibly dorky. He is Travis. Hey. And I'm Justin. And together, we're just a couple of nerds. Just a couple of nerds! That's us. That's okay. me! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man, I forgot to tell you. Yeah? So, so you know I've been back, uh, I've been back in Animal Crossing in the past... Probably two weeks at this point. Yeah, I was surprised to hear that you're still back in Animal Crossing. It was like you said, uh, you said you were playing it like a few days ago, and I was like, oh yeah, got that Millie, the Millie Bells. Yeah, so when I logged back on for the first time in over a year, I was surprised to go to my my bank account in the game, and I had a <laughs> I had a million dollars in my savings account. And a six hundred thousand dollar outstanding loan. <laughs> uh, Tom Nook is like, where the fuck have you been? <laughs> <laughs> so since then, I've probably spent over five hundred thousand bells just doing a massive rehaul and redesign on my island, <laughs> and probably paid like a hundred thousand dollars to my loan. <laughs> <laughs> That that's one thing I never really even the first time even like my first go around with the game I didn't really care too much about like the interior of my home and and designing that I never that and the museum I never really cared too much about That's interesting. Yeah, I had when I had a smaller house I had it designed very well and uh I had an actual scheme of things, but then when I started upgrading my house, I was like, I ain't got enough furniture for this. So I just kind of left it. <laughs> I did, like, dig for fossils and catch bugs and fish and stuff like that, so. The museum was very important to me. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I have, I don't know if you can even get all of the fossils, but I just kind of reached a point where it was like 10, 15 days in a row, like the first time I was playing it, where I would you know, I would dig up the fossils every day, take them, and then he would be like, oh, I already got these. <laughs> so now I just sell them. I don't even bother. The only only time I really go to the museum is um, I like the aquarium part of the museum. Yeah. So if I if I catch a new fish, then I'll, then I'll take it to the museum. But other than that, I, I, I stay completely away from there. You don't go and get a coffee? You can go get a coffee? Oh man, you haven't gotten the coffee? No. Man, you uh eventually can unlock Brewster's Cafe and then you go there and get a coffee. And then you can actually like get a coffee to go uh and walk around the island with a little coffee cup. Be like, "Yeah, man, I'm blowing your mind right now." Well, there there it is. There's my there's my motivation to keep playing. <laughs> cuz cuz I was kind of I was kind of reaching the point where I had redesigned just about everything I wanted to redesign, which basically for the most part, my redesign just involved me putting waterfalls everywhere. And then I kind of started to get bored, but I did just do my, I did buy turnips for the first time this back around with the game. So I bought a hundred thousand dollars worth of turnips and yesterday I sold them for $500,000. I'm sorry, I'm looking up how to unlock Brewster because uh, I forgot about that. Okay, yeah, that seems it seems fairly straightforward. You gotta go speak to Captain, Captain, sorry, at the pier. 
And then uh, I think he takes you to an island and you got to find something. Once you download, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the chatty owl will tell you he's been contemplating opening a cafe, but he needs your help tracking down Brewster. Then you speak. So you start with Blathers. You got to like get him to talk about uh, opening a cafe. Mm. And then you got to go speak to Cap'n. Uh, he runs a boat tour. So you're going to embark on a tour. You can only take the tour once a day. So you need to talk to Blathers first. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to do that. Then you unlock that cafe, get that coffee, the coffee. Yeah, I'm definitely going to do that. I needed that uh I needed that motivation cuz I was starting to get like like I said, it was it was starting to get to a point where I was like, okay, uh what do I do now? <laughs> um I think I do want to move. I want to move where my house is so I can build uh, a cliff and then put my house back on the cliff in nice. the same spot where it was. So I think I'm gonna do that. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely gonna get that cafe now. But, but you know, I was so scared for the longest time. I was scared to play Animal Crossing again. And today's topic is not Animal Crossing. We're gonna get off of this in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this episode just takes a turn as soon as it starts. Yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah, I was just really resonant to play it again because. I think I talked about it in episode one. Like that, that game is just such like such a timestamp for me. Like right at the beginning of the pandemic, it mm-hmm. that game meant so much to me at that time that I was scared that if I revisited it, that it would it would taint that memory. But it just reinforced it, man. Like from the first time I booted it up and that music played, I just had this big old stupid grin on my face, and I just got. Re- yeah. Um, I did forget that I have a few residents that I think I want to get rid of. They're kind of annoying. <laughs> but I only had that one. And then as soon as I kicked him out, he was like, here's a gift. And I'm like, <laughs> like, damn, dude. Bye. <laughs> you still got to get. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, man, I've, I've been having a blast. I've been playing it on all my breaks at work. Nice. And it, it also just reinforces why that's... uh. That's still number one on my list. <laughs> little callback to episode one. Still number one to Travis. And, and you know why it's number one? Hmm. Because I'm good at it. <laughs> you didn't even know about the the cafe, dude. I don't know how good you are. <laughs> you know what? That's true. Because you... <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't mean to break your confidence. <laughs> No, because you know what? My confidence was already kind of shaken. Because here's another reason why I was going to kind of stop playing until you mentioned the cafe. Because sometimes I will be I will be playing Animal Crossing and I'll get like, I'll get this weird anxiety. Because I was like, I'll see people's islands on Instagram. Oh, yeah, man. You can't do that. And I'm just like, man, I could never build that. Like, I could, right? Like, anybody could. There's nothing really in the game that if you have the time to do it, you could do it. Right. Right. But I just keep looking at it like, man, I would never have the time to sit there and put that much work into that. Like the things that people come up with in that game are just crazy. Yeah, I've seen a bunch of them and I'm like, 
I don't. Yeah, like you said, you could do it, but it, it's a time sink, and I don't. Nece- yeah. I don't necessarily have or really want to invest the time into making my island look that crazy. Yeah, I've been having a blast. Um, I think, I think eventually when I when I get an OLED switch, I'll probably start a new island completely. Yeah, because you can only have uh one island per uh console, right? Yeah, it's things you can't. Uh, well, I don't know if this is true. I'll have to look it up. But uh, I don't think you can cloud save uh your island and then like transport it if you have multiple switches. I haven't really like dove into that though, so I'm not sure. Yeah, I wouldn't know either. I'm pretty sure if you can, it's a huge pain in the ass. Probably. I know that uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus is the same way. Like you can, you can't cloud save. I'm just like, why? Why is this a thing? Just let me transfer it from different consoles. Right. That's classic Nintendo, though. <laughs> classic. The classic. Well, well, enough about Animal Crossing. Yeah, enough about that. You know what our topic is today? Viewers and Travis. Well, Travis, you know, but viewers. Huh? <laughs> Just yelling at him. Do you know what our topic is? If you've been listening to the past few episodes, it should not be hard to tell. It's Star Wars. Yep. Specifically okay. Obi-Wan. <laughs> and I think this is going to be... Not only the last episode for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, but this is probably going to be our last Star Wars episode for a while. Yeah, for a while. But I think, you know, when we do eventually circle back to it, it's, uh, <laughs> we're really going to get into it. <laughs> we, got pl- we got plans, dear viewers, okay? And they're going to they're gonna take a little bit to... uh get together so it's a little tease for episode uh probably like 50 episode episode 75 is gonna be a a doozy i can't i can't wait until we actually get to episode 75 and it's just like a regular episode and then i'll <laughs> i'll find this clip and it'll it'll start the episode but yeah we watched parts five and six of the obi-wan kenobi disney plus series now we're going to talk about it. Yep, so we're pretty much going to kind of follow our format from the past two episodes. We're going to we're going to talk about each episode a little bit, talk about the things we like, dislike. We'll talk about our feelings about the series as a whole. Let's dive into part 5. Part 5 starts with that uh flashback, right? Of uh Obi-Wan and Anakin sparring. Yeah, I think that's how it opens. Is this the shortest episode? In the series, I think it may be. Uh, I have no idea. I was not paying attention to a. Uh... It feels shorter. Maybe, maybe that's just a result of it, for the most part, kind of being contained to that one setting. Yeah, that's true. Which we haven't had that. I mean, maybe, maybe going back to episode one, we might have been on Tatooine for the majority of the episode, but this episode definitely felt it felt different. From all the other episodes, for some reason, maybe maybe it was just that being, you know, it was contained to basically this one setting. But I don't think that hurt the episode at all. I really enjoyed this episode a lot. Yeah, I think this might be my favorite episode of the uh, of the series. Definitely not, not for me at least. It's up there. It's uh, 
It's at least in the top six for me. <laughs> That's a top six episode for sure. Um, yeah, I think it might be one or two, honestly. So what do you like about it? Uh, I did like that it was uh, primarily focused on one location. That was cool. And all the characters were pretty much together. Even Darth Vader was there at a point. So every main character was on this one location. So you didn't have stories jumping from uh, planet to planet. Not that I think it hasn't felt disconnected. Or I don't think I don't think it's felt disconnected when that does happen in this series. But it feels more connected, obviously, when everybody's together. So, you've never watched Game of Thrones, right? I never have. That's uh, that's one show where I'm like, I should probably watch that. Well, uh, we'll get you to we'll get you to watch that at some point. But you know what it is is, and it's it's on a much smaller scale than Game of Thrones because Game of Thrones spends like six, seven seasons with all of these main characters and they're all spread apart. And then once you get towards the end of the series, you get to the last few episodes, maybe like the last two seasons kind of, they finally all come back together. So it's kind of, this episode almost kind of has that effect to where it's not, it's not only, mm-hmm. like I said, the containment, but you're right, you got all of these main characters that have kind of been, you know, doing their own things throughout the series, but now they're all together in this space. So it, it it's obviously, like I said, it's a lot smaller scale than what Game of Thrones pulled off, but it does, it's that, it's kind of that similar, similar feel where now, you know, shit's really about to hit the fan now because everyone's here. Right. Yeah. Um. So that was cool. Obviously the revelations of, uh, or the revelation, I should say, of, uh, Reva, besides the flashback sparring scenes, I that that revelation for Reva is probably my favorite part of this episode. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Although there was one part <laughs> where uh, Reva had Obi Wan like out where the stormtroopers were, and they were like whispering to each other, but they were real loud, and there was a lot of stormtroopers around. I was like, you guys are not discreet right now. That seems to be a problem in this series is no one can seem to be discreet. We got Tala earlier on the microphone on the bass, just like, hey, Obi-Wan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey. And then we got uh, Reva and Obi-Wan just in plain, out in the open, just being like, you should fucking kill Darth Vader. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be cool. I think for me, I didn't see that outcome for her character. I didn't see that either. I 100% believe that she was a youngling. What I thought was that she was a youngling looking for revenge against Obi-Wan and the Jedi, which, I mean, she's still out for revenge. It was just aimed in a different direction. Right. Which kind of begs the question if, like, if she's been... I've seen a lot of people mention this online where they had a problem with, like, okay, well, she's just been hunting Vader this whole time, but she still did, like, all of these heinous things. Like, she's killed all these people, and I'm... I mean, I don't... I choose not to read too far into that. I'm pretty sure there'll be uh, a novel a few years from now that'll <laughs> explain why Reva's character was, did all of that. But just like thinking right now, she she had to do that if she was going to try to get close to Darth Vader. You can't just get close to Darth Vader and be like, no, I don't really feel like killing these Jedi. Why, why do we have to kill him, Darth Vader? Yeah. Darth Vader's just like, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you why you gotta kill him, because I'll kill you. <laughs> yeah, that, I, don't, I don't, I don't see the issue with that. I mean, obviously, from a, <laughs> a humanitarian 
uh, aspect. I don't want people to kill each other, but if you're going to be a double agent, you got to get your hands dirty. Yeah, I mean, she's not going to win the Nobel Peace Prize anytime soon, but, you know. <laughs> I guess she's not really a double agent, but if you're going to gain the trust of Darth Vader, you know, you got to get down and dirty. Right. Talking about that sparring scene a little bit, I, I watched a version on YouTube where it was just like it from beginning to end without cutting back and forth. And we'll, mm-hmm. and we'll talk a little bit more about like cutting back and forth when we get to part six. But when you watch that scene just straight through, it enhances it a lot more. But that is my favorite part of besides um, the Reva stuff that those flashback scenes are brilliant. Yeah, I did. I did enjoy those. I like how basically that that those sparring scenes was just kind of to show like how how Obi-Wan and Anakin both kind of knew what each other's weakness was. Yep. So Vader believes that Obi-Wan's weakness is that he shows too much compassion and mercy, and he feels why that's why you know, Kenobi will always ultimately lose. And yep. vi- vice versa, Kenobi believes that you know, Anakin need to prove himself and his over-aggressive aggressive nature and not being mindful enough is ultimately is his weakness. Just just calm down, Vader. You're too aggressive, man. <laughs> yeah. I think the only part of it that kind of took me out was just seeing how old Hayden Christensen is. Um, yeah. I'm surprised that they didn't do like a Leia treatment and just a CGI over his face. But it pro- honestly, it probably makes it better just because it shows the... Uh, I, th- I, I don't know. I, I guess in sort of a story aspect, it doesn't necessarily lend to the show but in terms of like Hayden Christensen coming back to Star Wars you know it's cool to see so obviously yeah I mean visually it it looks off but I just you know when I was watching that scene I was like my my thoughts were it's cool that he was able to come back and film this scene you know because he for the most part he's not in the Vader suit doing the Vader scene stuff yeah. So I I like that he was able to to get like this major scene in the series. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, it it does look <laughs> it does look a little off on screen though. <laughs> <laughs> Which is especially funny because it doesn't look off when Ewan McGregor like in the flashback just cuz Ewan McGregor looks exactly yeah. the same. Ewan McGregor looks younger <laughs> than Anakin <laughs> in that sparring scene. Well, that's what happens when you turn to the dark side. You get old, man. I also like, jumping ahead a little bit, I also like how in part six, Vader has that line where he was like, and that's why you always lose. And I was like, dude, every time you've sparred or fought with Obi-Wan, he's literally beat the shit out of you. (laughs) I'm going to talk about a line that made me buzzed out laughing later. But, uh, yeah, that is really funny. Um... And you know what's kind of underrated in this series is uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Ice Cube's kid. Oh, yeah, he's smoking um, it. Yeah, I was like, he's good, man. He was real good in uh, Straight Outta Compton, but also that's like playing his dad. So, like, he had a lifetime of preparation for that. Right. Um, But, yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised. I kind of, it would be cool to see uh something about him, like, even just a little hour special, like a little miniseries plot about him trying to evacuate people off a planet or something like that. 
Yeah, because I mean, where we leave off, you know, it seems like he's uh very much kind of in a in a prominent role. Yeah, I looked him up, like the character mm-hmm. uh, Roken, I think his name was. Um, also, I watched this episode with subtitles, so I was like, I was nailing these character names when uh, I was writing my notes down. I'm like, yeah, Tala, Reva, uh, yeah, I got all your names. I know everyone here, Baru. But anyway, uh, yeah, I looked up the character background, and uh, yeah, I, I guess he's been uh, featured in some Star Wars books, and they actually did a they uh the illustration that was on the Star Wars wiki page or whatever was like an artist drawing of a white guy, so they uh they changed him, so that was cool. That's good to see. I don't I don't need I don't need more fucking white guys in space. Right. It also seems like. You know, from what I've seen online, he's been able to escape the the senseless hate that unfortunately other other minority characters or other minority actors, I should say, have had to endure as soon as their name is attached to Star Wars. I haven't seen that same hate towards him. Well, yeah, that's because he's Ice Cube's son. Yeah, yeah, and people are pussy. <laughs> Better not talk shit. So what? So what do you think about uh? Vader busting in and pulling that ship out of the sky and tearing it apart. Holy shit. Man, that shit. <laughs> Man. You know what's funny is we've, so we've seen Yoda, like, pull a ship out of the swamp, you know. Yoda's old as dirt when he does it, but, you know, it's still impressive. But this is like. This is a ship, like, in the midst of taking off and all that momentum going up. And Vader's just like, no, nope, come here. This just proves that, uh, I even wrote in my notes, uh. Yeah, Vader. Vader proves to be the strongest force user. Yeah, completely stops the momentum of the ship. So the only thing I'm confused about is, so there were two ships then, right? That was my impression. So they were both taking off at the same time, so he only did the one. So the other one was like, had to stop. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, when Vader, unless like it had a cloaking device on, and it was just sitting on the ground... That would be a pretty big cloaking device. I was kind of confused as to how that they even escaped. Of course, I only watched the episode once, so maybe there's something I'm missing. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I just don't know how the... Uh, I would have to go back and watch the, the second scene. ship. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to go back and watch the scene a little bit more closely. My impression was that there were two ships, and the first ship was just kind of bait. Yeah, it's just a decoy ship. So was there like was there somebody in there like that decided to sacrifice himself or how did that work? Does it have yeah, auto takeoff? I don't know. Who knows? That's but a... uh, nevertheless, I mean, why couldn't Vader just pull the second one out of the sky too? Yeah, that's the only thing I was I was thinking of. I, I mean, um, may, I mean, we have seen characters in Star Wars become physically exhausted after using the force so maybe that was such such a that's very true yeah maybe he was just you know that kind of warm out a bit you no know, he didn't have the power at that time to pull the second one out that's just kind of what i chalk it up to but nevertheless i mean just seeing him fucking rip that ship out of the sky and tear it apart that was awesome that was awesome i was like oh i, I yelled out loud holy shit when he first stopped the ship from uh, taking off. That was cool. Uh, let's talk about a little thing. Uh, Reva becoming the Grand Inquisitor at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> There's like a little scene where 
they and they focus in on this where they have some general put the pin on her <laughs> and i was just like oh that was weird all right i was, i just thought it was so unnecessary and then later get a little uh a little guy returning from the dead the grand inquisitor <laughs> and then they fo- <laughs> and then he takes the pin off of her and they show it i was like that is all right <laughs> This is what you choose to focus on. Okay. You know what? You know what really irritates me about this episode is when Reva goes to attack Vader. She's first of all, okay, obviously he already knew. But why would you sneak up behind him just to yell out loud before you <laughs> <laughs> She's like that, that, like that rage took over, man. She yeah, was, that's a good point. I mean that you're finally, you know, after all of these years doing all of this stuff, you're finally at that moment where you can finally enact your revenge. And then <laughs> you choose that moment to not be able to keep your emotions in check. I guess, though, like, if you're that close, you're kind of just like, I got this. Um, but also, if you've been working that closely with Vader all these years, you know exactly who the fuck he is and what he's capable of. I can, I do kind of wish that uh like if if he had been pulling that ship apart, she would have attacked him at that point, so then the other decoy ship could get out of there. I feel like that would have been a little more clear yeah uh, explanation as to why he didn't go after the other one. But regardless, or it could have been maybe yeah. he didn't rip it apart, or he was just like in the process of pulling it down, and then yeah. that's when she attacked. Yeah, that that would have been cool. I'm pretty sure they had that idea, and maybe they even had a version of that. But anyway, they have a little duel. and uh... You know what I really like about that is for the first part, for the first part of that fight, Vader's just like dodging all of her attacks. Mm-hmm. And that comes directly after the sparring, the scene, the sparring scene, the part where Obi-Wan loses his lightsaber and for, you know, for a few seconds has to uh, regain yeah, control. Yeah, just dodge. Yeah, so... It, it kind of like shows like, okay, he was actually, you know, he was paying attention to Kenobi a little bit. Right. Yeah. It it definitely played well into uh, like reversing the roles mm-hmm. of the two characters because Reva's so aggressive in her actions and Vader's just kind of anticipating he's reacting more so than acting. Exactly. Which eventually leads to him winning, which is exactly what Obi-Wan was trying to teach him. So he learned. Yeah. Also, seeing Vader dual-wield uh, two lightsabers was awesome, too. It's funny how... Because uh, Reva had the uh, the double-sided lightsaber, and then Vader just, like, split it in half. was like, nah, dude, I ain't about this. I like how it splits in half, but then it still works. Because he just handed her half. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a little weird. Um, I like the fight scene. It wasn't as good... I feel like it wasn't as good as the sparring scene, but no. also... It was, you know, it was good. I was going to say the sparring scene set such a high bar, though. That's true. Another thing we forget to mention is that uh, Tala, Tala sacrifices herself, blows up, uh, drops that grenade, blows herself up, and a bunch of stormtroopers. That was cool. I kind of wish she wouldn't have uh, said, may the force be with you. Yeah, why not? I don't know why. That was weird. I don't, I don't know. Hmm, that's interesting. I, it didn't take anything away. It was just kind of like one of them things where it's like, 
you know, if you wouldn't have said that, the scene would have still been just as powerful. I get that. Yeah, that makes sense. Because it, I mean, I don't have a problem with it. I love the phrase, may the force be with you, but <laughs> I feel like they had to find a spot somewhere in this series to put that line, so they put it there. It doesn't, oh, I don't know. Anyway, maybe we'll get to that. Yeah, so then Vader, Vader stabs Reva. Grand Inquisitor comes back from the dead. You know what, though? Like, it's dumb, but also makes sense in the context of, like, Star Wars as a whole. Because even like you said last week, or last episode, I should say, like, they brought back Darth Maul. Uh, the Emperor comes back. So there's, like, this... I don't know. There's this undertone, I guess, that, like, Sith users, depending on the, the hatred that they have and, like, wanting to seek revenge can actually bring themselves back from serious injury or death, which actually uh, Palpatine talks about in episode three. So, you know, I get it, but at the same time, I'm just like, these these deaths, like, especially because... In this series, they're all lightsaber deaths, too. Yeah. It kind of diminishes the the fact that... Or it, it diminishes the effect of a lightsaber, I feel like. I Yeah, I literally had that same thing written in my notes. That I feel like it, it taints the, the lore of that weapon. And also, like, how stupid is it that you literally just said you were able to heal and survive for the need for revenge, and then you leave her alive? <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> like, okay, I get it. Like, you have these main characters who, for timeline purposes, have to survive things. But Reva was a character, like, you could have killed her. I honestly think she should have died there. I felt it would have been a little bit more impactful. Um, they should have did that double double tap, man. Grand Inquisitor comes up. He's like, you dead? <laughs> right in the face. <laughs> yeah, so... I I think uh, I think moving forward with Star Wars in general, we just need to have a rule of thumb. If we don't see a funeral scene for you or you're being decapitated, we we should assume that you're alive <laughs> and just, you know, chilling in a back to tank somewhere, healing up. Mm. So then Reva's dying on the planet and she uh, she sees Obi-Wan's what? What am I trying to say here? It's um, some some form of communication device. Communicator. His, yeah. his next tail. His next tail. Yeah, he's got that chirp. <laughs> chirp, chirp. Fat Joe's like, where you at, Obi-Wan? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, his, his communicator goes off, and it's uh, Bale uh, talking, about, uh, talking about Luke. And uh, Reva puts the pieces together and goes to Tatooine. Another gripe I have with this episode is I feel like we didn't get enough Leia. Yeah, she was uh she was busy trying to trying to put that thing together or yeah put the door back whatever. Yeah, um, they they kind of like effectively uh just kind of like gave her something to do in this episode to just kind of like you know that's the word I'm looking for kind of just occupy her time. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, they had to give her something to do to get her out of the way. To be fair, though, like, I didn't necessarily think that was a bad thing because there was a lot of other things in this episode that that meant a lot. And I didn't even though that's such a small thing, I feel like if they would have given Leia like more important, like prominent role potentially could have been a little too much for the episode. Yeah. Felt a little felt a little weighed down. This isn't even about uh these episodes at all, but I was like in the room and. 
somebody was watching this Lego series that's on Disney Plus, and uh, it's like about these these like mechan space mechanics uh, who like take odd jobs around the Star Wars universe, and like Darth Vader's involved in it. There's an episode where somebody brings in a Naboo starfighter, and they're like doing a joyride, and then they get caught by the Imperial Star Destroyer. Yeah, those are the names of that ship, right? The uh, like the one from a, the beginning of A New Hope, that a Star Destroyer. Yeah, I believe so. So he gets caught up, and then Vader is like, he like captures the guy piloting it, and is like, "Oh, so you just accidentally shot our uh, because you know those Lego like games and stuff try to be funny, and uh, it's like, oh, so you just shot, you weren't paying attention, you just uh drove up to a our ship you you didn't even realize it and he's like no and he's like what kind of ship would have the old, that power to uh distract you that much and then he shows him and then there's a flashback to episode one where young anakin drives that uh or pilots the naboo starship and you know blows up that little base in the first one and i was like actually that was super cool that they uh that they had that flashback for Vader and he was like having the time of his life. Even though I hate that scene in general, but that was cool. Anyway, I don't know why it reminded me of it, but I had to tell you about it because that's a Star Wars nerd thing. Nice. So do you have anything else for part five? Nothing else really stood out for me. Yeah, not really. It was a good episode. I liked it a lot. Yeah, it 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 was a it was a perfect uh what what's the word? Penultimate episode? Is that a word? Second to last. Let's do some research. Penultimate. It is a word. Look at you. Last, but one in a series of things. Second last. Oh, yeah. That's cool. That's a new word. Look at you, Travis. Teach me things. So, yeah. Uh, I think I think that was kind of a, a perfect way to go about uh, a penultimate episode. And then we get to part six. Part six. It starts off with uh, Reva searching for, uh, or being on Tatooine. I, d- I do want to point out that, like, she just got stabbed by Vader, and she's just walking around, like, <sighs> like, at this open wound. <laughs> I have a I have a similar issue with something else later on, later down the road, but yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> that, was, that was, it was kind of, it was kind of quick. I mean, the, the Grand, the, the Grand Inquisitor was out for, like, five well, not five, but like four episodes from his yeah. <laughs> from his wound, and here you are, right back at the top. I guess, which kind of uh, gives credence to your your point that she should have just died. Yeah, and that would have been it. I guess let's just get into this now. I I'm I'm not necessarily a fan of Reva's uh, plot in this episode. In episode six, it's yeah. So it does a couple cool things. Uh, it gives more screen time for Uncle Owen, and we get like an actual proper look at Luke Skywalker, which they did pick a pretty good actor to play young Luke, I thought. And we get Baru, which we haven't seen since uh, New Hope. It's like her only time in the series being there. I mean, probably, I assume she was in Revenge of the Sith when they dropped Luke off. But yeah, mm-hmm. so we get. We never really hear. We never from her a lot, yeah. and you know, we get we get a couple plot points that are cool. Where Baru is basically like, "Hey, man, 
you fucked this up, Owen. Obi-Wan was what it was here. He would be here right now protecting us and you pushed him away. So yeah. that was interesting, I thought. Um but also like how she was just like no hesitation, like, all right, fuck it, let's do it. We we gonna fight. Yeah, that was cool, honestly. That little plan to do that. But I don't know. I already felt like Reva had an ad- redemption arc when it was revealed that she was only doing this to get close to Vader to, you know, kill him for that. So this just kind of felt like this felt a little tacked on to me. I'm also not necessarily a fan of every character ever having a redemption arc. Yeah. I just feel like it's fine to understand why characters are bad, but I think some people are just bad. <laughs> and we don't really need to uh not every character needs to uh see the error of their ways and turn to, you know, into a good person. So, for the first time since episode 1, we do we do disagree on something. I'm I'm a little less forgiving of the Reva stuff here in part six. I, I have an issue with the placement of it and how we keep cutting back and forth. But I, I do like I do like the scenes of, you know, her going after Luke. I like I like her whole arc. I like her whole story. What I will say to kind of agree with you is, is I think. Well, I'll get into it when we talk about our overall series thoughts because it it probably is better placed there. But yeah, I'm I'm a little bit more forgiving of the Reva stuff in this episode. I I've enjoyed her character from the beginning. Yeah, and I think as the as the series per, has progressed, her character's gotten stronger, and then ultimately where where her character ends up, I think I don't have an issue with it. Could they have maybe? done things a little bit better like she doesn't show up right at the top of the episode like she didn't just get stabbed and yeah but i also don't think just learning that she was hunting vader is enough of a redemption for her maybe if that's actually what it was then i wouldn't i wouldn't have that feeling but since we've seen this like bigger redemption of her like sacrificing luke or not sacrificing but not actually going going through with that Maybe because we've seen that, then now the re- uh the reveal that she was hunting Vader seems a little bit smaller in scale. I don't know. It's a it's subjective though. Yeah, it doesn't like it. It doesn't ruin anything for me. I'm just kind of like, oh, all right. Yeah, I mean, if that would have been it, I wouldn't have been like up in arms. Like, oh, they ruined this character. It it would have been fine. Yeah. So there's a lot to there's lots of good things to come from it, but we also get uh so we get Obi Wan basically like he he wants me I'm gonna go in this little ship on this strange planet and Vader's gonna follow me which he does it is funny that the Grand Inquisitor is like hey uh we should probably follow that big ship right and Vader's like no <laughs> you know what that also means is uh during their fight. All those, the Star Destroyers just chilling up in space, just like waiting for Vader to come back. <laughs> They're all just like, <laughs> all right, man. But yeah, then uh, then we get little Leia uh, being mad at Obi-Wan. And when he goes to leave, I wrote this down in quotes. It was, come back, please. I thought that was a really nice line and delivery from such a young actress. It really felt like she was kind of heartbroken that, you know, this guy that has become sort of, I don't want to say father figure, but just, you know, Sort of an adult to look up to, and uh, yeah, uh, is gonna leave her and not be able to uh, accompany her the rest of the way on her trip. That was cool. I like that. Yeah, 
The only thing I really have an issue with, like, before Obi-Wan leaves that ship is the scene where he's uh, reaching out to Qui-Gon. And he's basically like, I have to face him. Either he dies or I die, but this ends now. Oh, I wrote that in quote. This ends today. I laughed (laughs) out loud so hard. And then, of course, before we even get to the fight scene, we know, like, no, this is going to go on for six more movies. (laughs) So I get, like, I get when you're writing it, you can't have the mindset of, like, future events. I mean, you can in terms of, like, who to keep and uh, stuff like that. But in terms of, like, character motivations, you can't really have the future especially when it's something you know because the original star wars movies came out in the 70s so you can't really uh when you're writing a prequel you know have their motivations be tainted by future uh actions i get that but it's just really funny to hear obi-wan be like the sentence today and then like we still have to wait another 10 years for (laughs) i guess i should be forgiving of it and not say that i have a problem with it but maybe that i just found it amusing because Ultimately, I I do believe that Obi-Wan went there with the intention of ending it. I think ultimately he just got cold feet, and that's why he didn't ultimately finish Vader off. But Yeah, I uh, think he I think he would have, but uh he saw Hayden Christensen's face in the mask and uh, Yeah. And and also, you know, you see um you know, once that mask is split and you you can see his face clearly, you kind of see his eyes go from, from red to blue. Yeah, I should be forgiving of that because he probably went down there with the intention of uh, decapitating old Vader. Good old Vader. Good old decapitation of your bud from a long time ago. Let's uh let's get right into it, the fight scene. What'd you think? Is this the is this the best uh Vader Obi-Wan fight? I mean, yeah. Cause the other two are a new hope. Which is nothing. And then we had that fight a couple episodes ago. I might be a little bit partial to the one in episode three or part three. Just because it was so dramatic and Vader was stalking him and it was really cool to... uh, It was just a really cool dynamic. But this one, you know, felt a a little bit more balanced. So that was nice. Well... I'm a little bit more partial to the fight scene in episode three, but I mean episode three, Revenge of the Sith. Oh, shit. You're right. And I get people, people shit on it. They say, oh, the the choreography is terrible or it's over choreographed and the dialogue is weird, but I've already told you guys, I'm, I'm a prequel apologist. I love them. I'm going to stand by them. (laughs) That fight scene on Mustafar is awesome. I don't care what you guys say. Honestly, yeah. Yeah, it, it's fun. It's good. I like that one. But I do think... I think this one is better, though. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think this one is better. <laughs> my, my dislike for the prequel series made me totally forget the most important part of the prequel trilogy was them fighting on Mustafar. I was just, like, blocked it out entirely. Because um, when you cause when you said episode three at first, I was like, oh, he he likes the fight scene and Revenge of the Sith. And then when you said, oh yeah, Vader was stalking him, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I should I should uh, clarify part three of Obi Wan. So yeah. yeah, they've only fought four <laughs> times. Um, well, I guess technically, I guess technically five with the sparring. And, and can you really say Vader won that last one? Because Obi Wan kind of just sacrificed himself. So really. <laughs> Really, Vader never really beat Obi Wan. A damn shame. He never, he never became the master. He was always the Padawan. No, 
always the Padawan. Which again, it just makes it so funny when they're in the middle of the fight and, and Vader's like, and that's why you always lose. <laughs> so we get him buried. He buries Obi-Wan under the rocks and then Obi-Wan is just like, fuck that. Regains his full power pretty much and then just starts just starts throwing rocks at uh at Vader. That was cool. The CGI was kind of goofy looking, but I was still kind of... I was still like, all right, this is cool. I like the idea of it. Yeah, but it it was a huge payoff, you know, going on the journey of the series. You know, in episode one, we've seen Obi-Wan barely able to use the Force at all. Yeah, kind of a broken shell. Yeah, and now he's, he's full Force. Yeah, I, I could have done without the rocks, maybe, but it, it's still, uh, it's, it's visually stunning. Like, it's cool. Yeah. But you know, I think him um, just kind of tearing apart Vader's suit and then ultimately splitting his helmet, I, I feel like that was enough for me without him, you know, like picking up all the rocks and throwing them at him. But it was still cool. I don't have a problem with it. But yeah, when he when he uh, split Vader's helmet, I was like, that's sweet. Then we get a look at Hayden, Hayden Christensen inside the uh, inside the suit, little Anakin, little Anakin's face. Which again is just kind of like it's full circle for me. The the past two episodes I've been saying I think the greatest thing that this series has done has connected Anakin Skywalker to Darth Vader in a way where now when I see Darth Vader in the suit I visualize you know burnt up Hayden Christensen behind it. Right. And that scene, seeing him behind the mask, it was just like it was a culmination of everything. It was like it was kind of like the final stamp. Yep, I agree. It was really cool. Also hearing, like, when he's speaking, just how it kind of drifts between James Earl Jones and then you get a little bit of Hayden Christensen and how it just kind of goes back and forth. Yeah, because it plants the idea that there's still there's still doubt in Vader's mind that he kind of made the right choice, which eventually, obviously, we get much later on when he turns back to uh, the light. But it's it's cool. I was going to ask you, do, do you think that's ultimately why Obi-Wan leaves him alive? Is that he, he feels or he senses that good still in him? Yeah, definitely. I think also just seeing his face. Because uh, mm-hmm. it's easy to block out when he's wearing the mask. You can kind of, you can separate Vader from Anakin. Uh, which mm-hmm. exactly what we did, what you're talking about, in terms of, you know, bridging the gap before before this series... You could easily just kind of separate Anakin and Vader into two categories, basically into two different characters. But, uh, yeah. So having, having that shot of him in the helmet, I think, uh, definitely jarred, was jarring to Obi-Wan and, uh, prevented him from, uh, ending things that, that day. You know what is a weird thing? So like the Star Destroyer is up in space, just chilling, waiting for Vader to come back. And, like, Obi-Wan just gets out of there alive. <laughs> like, they see a ship go by, and it's just like, oh, shit, that's Obi-Wan. Should we follow him? I'm like, no, we should wait for Vader. I I am curious as to... I mean, this isn't really... You don't need to see this, but I would have... It would have been nice to see Vader go back onto the ship, all busted up, and people just, you know, looking at him like... Looking at him in his defeat. Yeah, I guess I imagine, I imagine that they went and picked him up, <laughs> and that's probably why they didn't go after Obi Wan. So the 
the first time you've seen the fight scene and ultimately Obi-Wan decides to leave him alive, like, were those your feelings the first time? Or the first time did you watch, when you watched it, were you like, well, that was stupid. Why didn't he kill him? Um, no, I, I definitely had those feelings of, uh, like, I understood why. Yeah, I had to think about it for a minute, because the first time I watched it, I was like, man, that was kind of silly. But then, I mean, you got to realize that not everything needs to be verbally explained. Yeah, that's true. And also, you know. Because, I mean, imagine if Obi-Wan, like, goes goes into this dialogue where it's like, you know, he kind of starts it where he's like, my friend is truly dead, but I still see the light in you, so I'm going to leave. Uh, you know, some weird dialogue like that where he kind of like over explains yeah over explains and now you're taking away from the scene yeah the emotion the emotional impact of the scene yeah yeah where i think you know him just them just kind of cutting away at that point and obi-wan leave walking away and just leaving it as whether my friend is truly dead goodbye darth i think that's much more powerful it happens a lot too in books. You know, when you get to the end of a book and it, the ending is kind of left up to your own imagination, right? Yeah, and, I, and I, I think that's what that was here. It was the writers were just leaving it up to your own imagination of why Obi Wan decided ultimately not to kill Vader. But it's always funny to see, uh, to see the Twitter reactions when when we get stuff like that in media where it's, you know things aren't explained as the way people think that they should be. It's always funny watching people uh, overreact on Twitter. and This is dumb. Why didn't he talk, give him a long monologue? You know, right. it's, it's interesting that he called him Darth. I thought that was interesting. Instead of, because the whole series he's referred to him as Vader. Has he or has he referred to him as Anakin? I thought for sure he's referred to him as Vader pretty much the whole time. I felt I think him saying Darth was a a good tie-in because in episode four, at the fight scene, he refers to him as Darth. Oh, okay. There we go. <laughs> I totally. Uh, guess I need to. Guess I need to watch the movies again. To to double back on what we were talking about before with the Reva stuff, I just I really wish with this fight scene we would have stayed with the fight scene, cutting away to the Reva stuff. It was. I feel like that was um, a mistake in editing. Maybe not a mistake, but I, I, I would have preferred to just stick with the fight because I like the scenes with Reva and Luke, but it wasn't until the second time I watched it that I was able to fully appreciate those scenes mm-hmm. because my first viewing, I mean, we're we're in the middle of this fight scene that's been anticipated for the entire series. We're finally getting it. And you keep cutting away. I'm not paying attention. I'm like, I'm watching what's going on on screen, but I really don't care what's going on in that moment. I'm in my head thinking about what am I missing? Like what's going on in this fight scene that I'm not, that I'm missing out on because we got to go back to Reva. So it wasn't until that second time around that I was able to put those feelings to the side and appreciate the Reva stuff. Right. But I wish, I wish the Reva stuff would have been, like you said, either you just do away with it or you find uh, another way to incorporate it. Maybe maybe you make it like 
maybe you do an episode seven and that's part of episode seven or episode six and then the fight is episode seven. But either way, I feel like the fight, we should have stuck with the fight. I definitely agree that that was a mistake in editing. If they would have done the fight just straight up and then after uh, Obi-Wan leaves, cut to the entire Reva stalking Luke, I think that would have worked in the sense of we get to see the entire Darth and uh, Kenobi fight. And we understand that because we're not seeing Kenobi, he is currently on his way to Tatooine to, you know, protect Luke. So, yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, and it's literally just about every lightsaber duel we get in any Star Wars movie. It cuts away from it at points. But when you're cutting away from you know, a lightsaber fight, you have to be cutting away to something that's equally as interesting. Right. Like an episode, you look at Revenge of the Sith, when they would cut away from Mustafar, you were getting Yoda versus the Emperor, which was, you know, it's another lightsaber duel. It's equally as interesting. Episode one, when you cut away from Darth Maul, Qui-Gon, and Obi-Wan, you're cutting away to... Yeah, like a battle, like a an arm, two armies battling, and then the uh, Anakin, the uh, the Naboo starfighters going after the uh, the space station. Yep, and then in episode, um, in episode six, you're you're cutting away to Han and and Chewbacca and Leia. You're cutting just about every, yeah, for the most part, every other lightsaber scene where we cut away from it we're cutting away to something that's also interesting right i mean you could you could argue that the stuff in episode one is not that interesting to cut away to and maybe probably episode two as well because you're cutting away to the clones versus the droids yeah i think i think you could make a case for episode one and two you know when you're cutting away to though that stuff it's not as interesting but also it ties into the movie because um, the whole movie in episode one is building up to or yeah, is building up to those sort of plot lines. Um, and especially in episode two, like it is Attack of the Clones, the Clone Wars, like. Yeah. Yeah. So it has, you know, plot. It has weight in terms of plot to uh, justify cutting two. So. Um, yeah. And. And I guess it's also the format too. Those are movies where this is a a series in in the format of a, a series, even if it is a mini series, you can just as easily slot that into another episode in of it in of itself. Yeah. And then you you kind of build some things around that. Maybe you do some some setting up for the ultimate fight with uh Vader and Obi-Wan. I would have liked to seen just 60 minutes of them fighting, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> the old 60-minute fight, huh? Yeah, I, I wish... I definitely agree. They shouldn't have cut away from it. We should... Especially because we they didn't cut away in part three during their fight. I mean, there were... All the characters were kind of in the vicinity. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, they did, because they cut to a Leia running through the tunnel. But th- those felt like minor cuts because there was like an extended time where we were getting 
just Darth Vader stalking Obi Wan, but it, it didn't feel as uh, didn't feel as egregious, I guess. Yeah, and the pacing is weird because we're getting this fight scene, and then we're cutting away to Reva just kind of stalking around uh, the farm, and ultimately, you know, they get into to their own fight, but it's still, it still it kind of makes the pacing a bit weird. Yeah. You know, once you've once you've watched it a few times, you you kind of get over that. So it's really not that big of a deal, but it's still something that you know if they would have done differently, it would have just made the series that much more better. Yeah, it would have been more impactful. I agree. But uh, so um, the only other thing I have for episode six is kind of tying back to episode. Five with the sparring scenes I think Obi-Wan always beats Anakin because they both have an idea of what each other's weakness is mm-hmm. and I think the reason Obi-Wan wins is because Obi-Wan is correct in his estimation that Anakin's weakness is his overconfidence his need to prove himself and Anakin's theory that Obi-Wan is too merciful and he views that as a weakness in him when that's actually a strength. Right. So I think that's why, ultimately, when you have Vader, who in every sense is stronger in the Force, um, you know, just overall he's stronger and should be able to easily beat Obi-Wan. The reason Obi-Wan always wins is because you know, he's right in his estimation of what his weakness is. He knows his opponent better. Well, I guess we should also address that uh, Reva does not kill Luke. Spoiler, she does not kill Luke Skywalker. And she hands hands the little boy over back to Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru, and uh, that's her redemption arc. And we never see her again. For now. Like I said, you'll see her in a novel somewhere. She'll get her own series of novels, or maybe even her own, her own uh, mini-series of some sort. But she'll be back. Yeah, I agree with that, too. Then we get the reunion of Obi-Wan and little Leia, and we see Leia kind of... Because in episode one, they showed a little getting dressed scene, and then it turned out to be uh, not Leia, because Leia was out running in the woods, shirking her responsibilities, and now we see that she's taking a more active approach and actually taking her little responsibilities seriously. And, uh... Even if it is just getting dressed for a visit. Also, Obi-Wan giving her Padme's holster was a, was a very wholesome moment as well. Mm-hmm. Was that Padme's holster? I thought it was, I thought it was Tala's. You might be right. I'd have to go back. Well, either way, it is impactful. I guess I just assumed it was Padme's, but yeah, you're probably right. It was probably Tala's. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Travis, get your shit together, man. You don't know anything about Star Wars. Son of a bitch. <laughs> um, yeah, and then what does he say? Does he say when does he say hello there? That's when. So after he leaves from uh, reuniting with Leia, he goes back and he packs up his uh his house. Oh, because uh, he's gonna move, and on his way to where he's going to be, you know, living where we find him in episode four. 
Um, he stops back off at the Skywalker farm. Yeah, give him a little toy. And Owen's like, hey, you want to meet him? So he meets little Luke. And uh, that's where he drops the, hello there. Which is a perfect way to end the series. Little underrated point of this episode is we see Qui-Gon. Yeah, Qui-Gon looks old too. I didn't I guess you uh you still age in the Star Wars afterlife. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we we get a full blown Qui-Gon talking to Obi-Wan. You know, you and- know what's funny is episodes like one through three, I was like, man, we better get Qui-Gon. And then by the time we finally get him, I was like, eh, we probably didn't really need him. But it was cool that we got him, though. I definitely wasn't sure if we would get him because it had been so long. But that was a nice wrap-up of a little plot point. Yeah, it was, ni- it was a, nice, uh, a nice bow on top of the present. Now we got to wait another 10 years before Luke Skywalker... Or actually, I think it's like 9 because I think they're like 18 or 19 years old. In mm. in a, a new hope in canon, I like also how they, when Obi Wan is talking to to Leia and to Bail, they they kind of seemingly slightly leave the door open for future seasons of Obi Wan Kenobi. Mm-hmm. He just kind of gives that line, you know, if you ever need me, you know where to find me. So who knows? Maybe uh, maybe more adventures with old grumpy Obi Wan and little Leia are on the horizon. I wouldn't be mad about that. I wouldn't either, but I'm 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 hoping that they just leave it alone. Yeah, I kind of hope that they uh if they're going to do a second season, I think Luke and Leia need to not be a part of it. Oh, I just remembered. I I do have one nitpick, one more nitpick with this episode. Yeah. So Remember you you started off and you said you felt uh, it was kind of silly to just have Reva walking around right after she was, you know, just attacked with the lightsaber. Yeah. Like five minutes after we see Vader helmet split wide open, we see him sitting down talking to the Emperor with a whole brand new helmet on, just fine, nothing wrong with him. <laughs> I don't even remember that, that he yeah, talked dude. to the Emperor. And it's like five, not even five minutes after we just seen him get his ass whooped. He's all torn up. He can barely breathe. And then five minutes later, you know, he's sitting in his castle on Mustafar, whole brand new suit. Oh, he's, he's you're probably right. got like, yeah, he's probably got like three or four of them just laying around. You know, he probably has a closet full of, <laughs> full of Vader's suit. What am I going to wear today? I I would yeah. like to think that uh Vader has multi has like he has all black suits, but then like he has a white suit. He's just like oh my God. How fucking weird would that be if he just had like a different colored suit? Like a red suit? Man, that'd be kinda sweet though. A, a red suit might be kinda sweet. But yeah, I so I don't have a problem with that scene in itself. I have a problem again just where it's placed in the episode. Because we're just coming off the heels of seeing him beat up, torn apart. Like, it's just a little jarring to see him just A-OK, just sitting there, you know, chatting it up with the Emperor. (laughs) What I think they should have did is they should have either had that scene take place 
after the hello there as much as I think that's a perfect perfect bookmark I think after that you can kind of circle back to Vader and and have that scene and you still have a perfect ending to the series or they could have did what Marvel does and, and put that as like an after credit scene yeah that would have been but but just don't have it right after Vader literally was just near death and then now he's just fine I'm of the belief that I don't even I don't even think that was really necessary but like you said if it's going to be in if it's going to be in there then it should have there should have been more of a distance between the ending of the fight and uh his his uh talk with the emperor I think it's necessary in a way where we meet back up with Vader in episode 4 He's not actively looking for Obi-Wan. So you have to you have to explain why he let it go. Because in in because in this series, he was hunting Obi-Wan. And now with that scene, you you basically you you have the explanation of why um he essentially, you know, just lets it go. Because of the die I forget exactly um the reason of what the Emperor said. He said something like you're too I, I don't know. I forget what he said, but Yeah, I, I I know what you're talking about. I do remember that. I don't remember the line, yeah. but I remember the yeah. sentiment was uh that he was too fixated on uh uh Obi Wan. Yeah. I, and, I yeah. Oh, that that's what it was. The Emperor was saying that uh Obi-Wan means too much to you or something like that. Maybe maybe the Emperor felt threatened that Obi-Wan could potentially pull Anakin back to the light. Either way, I, I felt like that scene was somewhat necessary just to make it make sense that when we meet back up with Vader in episode four, he's not like, where's Obi-Wan? <laughs> but that that's all I have for part six. Yeah. Part six? It was good. It was I liked, great. I liked it. It's great. It's great. It's great. So let's, uh, you want to take a little break and then we'll come back and we'll kind of give our over, I always say what kind of, like we're not going to. <laughs> we might, when we come back, we might give our thoughts on the series as a whole, but you know, don't hold your breath. We might just start talking about Paper Mario. Nah, that'll be next episode. Spoiler for next week. Uh, yeah, let's let's take a break. All right. I gotta get some drink. Need your drink and your two step. <laughs> I had my headphones off, so I I only heard it like I heard you talking and then had to like lean in to. <laughs> so I'm leaning in thinking it's like something important it's like two step in a drink <laughs> that's good I like it right. we're back yay I think that's the longest break we've ever taken Mike could Mike could not so now we are going to yeah, what are we doing here? We're going to talk about... <laughs> what the I hell are we we'll, doing here? I don't know. 
<laughs> we can uh we can talk about the series as a whole. Um I guess kind of where it where it fits into the franchise, what our biggest takeaway from it was. You want to go first? Uh yeah, sure. Um I just want to uh start with I enjoyed the series as a whole. It was really cool to uh see Ewan McGregor return as Obi-Wan. Even though I'm not a fan of the prequels, I thought he was good in them. And, uh, you know, the next time we see Obi-Wan, it's uh, played by Alec Guinness. So, really, episode three, uh, Revenge of the Sith, was the last time we saw Ian McGregor in that role. And it was cool to see him return. I think that was the that was one of the biggest things for me, was to uh, see these actors from the prequels return. Like, uh, well, specifically Hayden Christensen and, uh, Ian McGregor. I didn't necessarily think it was necessary. Well, let me take that back. I guess from the time we see, like, the the gap in between episode three, Revenge of the Sith, and A New Hope, it is nice to get that gap filled in as to the mental state of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Because, you know, when we leave him in Revenge of the Sith, a lot of trauma just occurred. And then when we meet him again in A New Hope, he's just kind of like, Hello there. <laughs> hey, Luke. Here's, a, here's your dad's lightsaber. And he just lies to him. So that was cool. I definitely like that. It was cool to obviously see the effects of the Empire 10 years down the road as opposed to like 20 do- years down the road. I, yeah, I'll just say that I enjoyed it as a whole. I uh, kind of filled in a lot of gaps. And like you talked about earlier, it did bridge the gap as well. So I like it. It is good. Yeah, it is. It, it's really good. I would go as far as to say it's the best thing Disney has done with Star Wars. So Disney has done the three movies and Mandalorian seasons one and two, Boba Fett. Uh, have they done anything else? A couple of animated stuff. Obviously, uh, Solo and Rogue One. Rogue One is a close second, but yeah, no, I think I think this is the best thing that they've pulled off and i also think that when you look at the star wars media that's not the episodic films this miniseries is the most essential thing to them like for me if you're just a fan of the episodic films that's all you've seen if you're gonna consume anything else it should be this i think this adds the most to those films it enhances them the most yeah, I agree. I would go, I would probably go as, as far as to say it's the only thing that enhances the episodic films. Even like something like Rogue One, while it's really cool, I don't know if it's necessary to watch, uh, to to appreciate the uh, story as a whole. You're right, because you, I mean, we've, we enjoyed episode four. I mean, we we held it on one of the highest pedestals of, you know, films, period, without Rogue One. But the only reason I kind of disagree is when you get to the ending of Rogue One and how they close it out, basically where it's right before the opening in Episode 4, it makes you look at the beginning of Episode 4 in a completely different light. But yeah, I guess is, that's true. Is it, is, it, is it essential? No. It enhances... In- yeah, but, it, it just, it brings a new perspective to the scene instead of, like, 
adding all of this character development and growth whereas in this series you get that in abundance right yeah i agree with that the other the other thing i have is obviously you know i've said that the the best thing that this series has done is what they've done for the character of vader and how it bridged the gap between prequel hayden christensen vader and the vader that we have in four five and six you know what I'm looking at your notes right now, and it says J-E-G, or J-E-J, sorry, I can't read, um, J-E-J Vader, and when I had just woken up and looked at the notes, I was like, what the fuck is a J-E-J? <laughs> I'm like, that must be the, uh, that must be the, the actor that, uh, that wore the suit in the original trilogy. I didn't even fucking think of James Earl Jones. Until, until just now. Idiot. I, I just woke up and was like, J.J. Vader, what the fuck? All right. And then just kind of went about my day. It was like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. You are right, though. It does definitely bridge the gap between the prequels and the uh, the original trilogy in a way that makes sense. Because the obviously they were made years later so you know those movies stylistically are different just based on the time period they were made and the story that they were trying to tell so this is kind of like oh let's get back to sort of like smaller um like uh more barren planets which in in story sense makes sense uh in 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 terms of plot makes sense because we're in the middle of the empire kind of just taking over everything and destroying everything. So it makes sense. Um, the only other thing I have two more things to add. One is a question. And, but the other thing I have is something that came to mind when, when you were, when you were talking about your thoughts of the overall series, it's you know, when we get, when we get Obi-Wan in episode four, when, when he tells Luke that, his father was basically betrayed and murdered by Vader. And it didn't connect with me until just now that in the fight scene that we get in part six, Hayden Christensen had that line where you didn't kill Anakin. I did. Mm -hmm. I didn't connect those, those two things. So that that's just another thing that that simple line it just adds so much more depth to that dialogue in episode four. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, I thought that was really cool. Um, but anyway, um, anyway, you, I got, a, I had a you question. got a question. So we have, I think we have three characters in this series that benefited tremendously from what this series was able to pull off. Obviously, Vader, Obi Wan, and Leia. Mm hmm. I've already kind of given my answer saying it was Vader and how they were able to bridge the gap between the two different ones. Out of those three, which one do you think benefited most or gained most from this series as a character? I think Obi-Wan. Um, you think it's Obi-Wan? Yeah. I just think when we meet him in uh, part one of Obi-Wan, he's, like, I, like I've said, like I keep saying, he uh, is a broken man. He's not, he's, he, you know. He's not his former self. We see 
we see him working, which is weird anyway. Um, he's kind of just a normal person, and then yeah, well, being being a Jedi doesn't have a retirement plan. <laughs> <laughs> they don't got no four hundred one k's. And man, tell that to all the, all the ones in the prequel trilogy. They're just lounging around. Maze Windu and Yoda just lounging around the council, you know, talking about important shit. Just like, all right, man. Let's, uh. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's say they did have a 401k plan, right? <laughs> Vader wiped but that the, out, the, dude. The, let's say the Empire is now running things. You think the Empire is going to pay out <laughs> 401k plans <laughs> to these Jedi? <laughs> That they're hunting. To be fair, they killed most of them. <laughs> yeah, I think the only ones left now are like at at that point are Obi Wan. Imagine that's how Obi Wan gets caught. He's trying to cash his four hundred one k check. What you didn't see uh, prior to episode or part one of Obi Wan Kenobi was a uh, Obi Wan at an ATM with his little bank card. He's like, need Papa needs some money. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think yeah. Obi Wan benefits the most from this, uh, in my opinion. Just, just because, uh, you know, it it returns him to all his former glory, and then when we meet him again, he seems like a, you know, a whole person. Uh, he's not stricken with. I mean, obviously, he's affected by the events of the past, but it's not something that inhibits him from actually living. So I think, uh, I think Obi-Wan benefits the most from this. I actually think, uh, I actually think Leia's, uh, while I like Leia's, it kind of, uh, brings up too many questions as to her actions in A New Hope. So she might be the least benefited from, yeah, from this, but I don't know. I don't necessarily think, that it creates too many uh too many holes in the plot at least not enough to like to openly despise the series or or anything um i just think it it just creates some silly questions about future events but you know what i guess we'll have to wait until disney reboots the uh or remakes the original trilogy <laughs> you're like i'm not <laughs> I mean, I'll watch it, but I'm going to actively be protesting against it. <laughs> the only, um, the only positive of that is Owen or uh, Ian McGregor would be Obi Wan, and little Leia would have a few more years to grow up and then play uh, her again, and then little Luke would. Uh, yeah. Man, I bet you any money that's what they're setting up to, dude. <laughs> they better not, man. They're gonna turn. They're gonna turn Star Wars into like. DC and Marvel where they can just, you know, keep recreating these these stories just with different actors and no. No. But um yeah, I agree. I think the character of Leia probably benefited the least among the three. And it's probably just because I mean, we're seeing such a young version of her. I I won't reiterate it again. I think I've said it enough, but yeah, I think for me it's Vader. That's not to say I don't think that the character of Obi-Wan um, had a great arc and his character was enhanced a lot by this series. Obviously, what a tragedy it would have been if 
the series Obi Wan Kenobi just like tarnished the character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, you know it was a very high possibility seeing Disney's track record with Star Wars. Yeah, right. So. But that's it. I think that's enough Star Wars for a while. <laughs> yeah, this was good. Um, it was nice to, because The Rise of Skywalker left such a bad taste in my mouth for a real long time. It was, uh, it was nice to watch something Star Wars related. And even though I have my uh, nitpicks with it and, you know, little gripes and whatever, it was nice to return to Star Wars and actually enjoy my time watching it because really for me um like i said i don't like the prequels so it's been <laughs> it's been so fucking long since i've like actually enjoyed something i mean i guess i liked force awakens and i like the last jedi but um you know it was nice to and i didn't pay attention to a, a lot of online criticism of it or i tried to steer away from it more so so it was nice not to have something it was nice to enjoy something Star Wars related and also not have it ruined <laughs> by the internet. I agree. Um, yeah, I, I echo those same sentiments. And for me, it was just, it was nice to get back into the fandom that I have just been actively ignoring and purposely staying away from the past maybe year and a half, even though I was keeping up to date with uh, the Mandalorian series. But with the Mandalorian... I didn't feel that connection with that series up in, you know, there were certain points that kind of tied into other stuff that were real big moments that I enjoyed. But overall, the the two seasons, you know, they're not anything that I'm rushing to go back and watch. Right. The Book of Boba Fett, I, I still haven't watched that. Maybe I will one day, but yeah, no, it, it was. It was good to enjoy Star Wars again, even though there was still, you know, those so-called fans who were just, you know, tearing it down. I mean, and I guess they have the right to their opinion. If you if you don't like it, cool, that's fine. But like we like we talked about last episode, I don't need to get back into it. But there are those fans that are just terrible human beings that kind of make you want to separate yourself. So, but yeah, it was nice to enjoy Star Wars again, even though I've never not enjoyed Star Wars. I've just kind of stayed away from it. But <laughs> yeah, there was a time when I actively was like. I like thinking like I'm probably never going to watch anything Star Wars related again just because this is this is like ruined for me <laughs> forever. I mean, I was going to I was going to go back and watch the original ones obviously, but yeah, it was just everywhere for for a long time. Yeah, I was in my Google suggested news for like 3 years talking about Mark Hamill hates Star Wars. How everyone hates Ryan Johnson and everyone hates Star Wars, but they continue to watch it and it's still a box office success and just don't watch it. <laughs> you know, I will say I, I think these mini series or these, you know, Disney Plus series are cool, but I am ready for Star Wars to get back to the movies. I think it should be a long time before they go back to some uh some theatrical thing. Um and I, yeah, I don't know if, uh, I guess depending on what that is, I don't even know if I'm interested in seeing a, uh, I, I don't know what I'm interested in, in terms of Star Wars anymore. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I, I want more movies. I don't want anything near 
the Skywalker family. You don't want any Ray movies? No. You don't want any... Uh... You, you know what I really want? I want Old Republic stuff. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, that would be cool. Give me Old Republic stuff. I'm down for that. You want Old Republic stuff? You better yeah. play Knights of I'm... the Old Republic, brother. I know people really didn't like the the politics kind of side to the prequels, but fuck you. I like the prequels. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, you suck. All right, so that was Obi-Wan Kenobi. We're done. We will uh, <laughs> we'll try to not mention Star Wars for a while. It was nice to go on a run of episodes where we knew what our topic was going to be for a while, so we didn't have to like come up with something. Yeah. Not that we have to really come up with something, because we just pull from whatever we're into at the time, but it was nice to kind of have it planned out for the next few episodes, I guess. I agree with that. It was also nice. It was also kind of nice to be like topical. We were in with what was currently happening. We were in the know. We're a little behind. Well, just because of our recording schedule, but yeah, if we were doing every week, we would have like we would have been in it. Also, when did those episodes come out? When did part six come out? Two weeks ago. Uh, Yeah, about two weeks ago. And this is gonna come out in a week and a half. I mean. We're a little behind the ball, but I th- I still think it's still relevant. I think the only other current thing that we've talked about on the podcast has been um, when you played Kirby. Oh, yeah, true. We talked we talked about that. And uh, if you're waiting for us to talk about more topical things, it might be a while. Yep. So next next episode, we're going to we're going to be back to our regular scheduled programming. Yep. Of whatever we're into at the time. Yep. And you're not going to know what it is until you press play. So or you read the description. <laughs> But yes, press play, please. <laughs> um, all right. Well, it's time for us to recommend some stuff. And surprise, surprise, I actually have a recommendation. Ready, locked, ready, you go. Woohoo! I did it. I'm going to recommend a movie. It's a little movie called School Ties. Uh, it came out in 1992. Stars Brendan Fraser, Matt Damon, Chris O'Donnell, and it has Ben, Affle- ben Affleck in it. This is like really early into their act all their acting careers like ben affleck isn't even a big part of the movie honestly he's kind of just a side character it's about uh a jewish middle-class boy who gets into a uh who gets accepted into a elite prep uh school but he has to hide the fact that he's jewish because everyone there is uh is you know uh, of the Christian faith. And this is this takes place in the 50s. It's a I think it's a really good movie, you know. It's it's funny to see like where a lot of these people have gone on to. Uh especially like a Matt Damon and Pat Ben Affleck. This was 1992. This was uh 5 years I want to say before they kind of hit it big with uh Goodwill Hunting. So it's cool to see them in, you know, a smaller movie and not superstar actors that we see him today yeah it's also also side note the story is by a little guy you might know named dick wolf who uh created law and order so it's actually based on uh his experiences uh growing up and going i think he actually dealt with the same thing hatred due to uh, his beliefs and you know and heritage so school ties man it's on hulu uh it's on hbo max it's uh, it's got that '50s aesthetic and soundtrack, which 
I am quite partial to. I love uh I love the old those old cars, those old automobiles and uh the music of the nineteen fifties like rock and roll and R and B is really cool. So School Ties. Check it out. Starring Brendan Fraser. I'm gonna do that Brendan Fraser thing. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's like my favorite That's, thing. Ever. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, so my uh my recommendation is gonna be a documentary. Ooh. Do you say I don't know why I said it that way, because I usually say documentary. Yeah, some people say so, it like that, and I'm just like I when I was younger I used to be like, it's documentary, but now I'm just like, just pronounce things the way you want. I don't care. I understand what you're saying. It's just weird that it came out of my mouth that way because I've literally never said it that way before. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh. To documentary. You, wait. Real quick. The initial release date of School's Ties was September 11th, which is kind oh. of freaky. But anyway, you got a documentary on, on the recommendation table. Yep. So this documentary, uh, it's on Peacock. And it's called Adjust Your Tracking, The Untold Story of the VHS Collector. Ooh. So I'm going to read the description real quick. It says, filmmakers interview and uncover a select group of cinephiles who still collect and cherish movies on a forgotten and disappearing medium, the VHS. So essentially, they interview the this group of people who collect VHS tapes. And they, you know, they talk about why they do it. And uh, they talk about... They just kind of talk a lot about that era. They talk about uh, video rental stores. There's this one guy in there who turned his basement into his own personal video rental store where people can come rent movies from him, which is kind of cool. I've seen that then, at least that bit of it. Okay. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. That's cool. But yeah, it's uh, it, it's a cool... uh, It's almost like a time machine back in time, man. It just takes you back to to that era. And it's, it's funny because I'm like, I'm that person that like, I get, I get into something and I want to start collecting. (laughs) I kind of, I kind of want to start collecting VHS tapes, but I'm not going to. I do want to get a select few. Man, Travis, you're opening up a, uh, a whole nother side of me right now. Cause, uh, I love VHS tapes. I did collect them for a really long time. Uh, actually I have... I have like a special edition VHS of uh Star Wars episode 1 The Phantom Menace that comes with in like a big box and it has a a reel like a a, a movie reel that you can look at and uh I actually just watched a VHS tape last night of uh Crybaby starring Johnny Depp and I'm going in on all of this um I've been a part of two groups where we would watch VHS tapes together and rate them on a certain criteria. So I'm like, you got me. <laughs> I'm very interested in VHS tapes. So you you hooked me with this. It didn't take much. I think Peacock is, has a free version. So go uh go watch it. It's only an hour and twenty minutes. So you can uh, you can go through it pretty quickly. Yeah. It, they talk about this one. There's this one VHS tape out there that's kind of like the Holy Grail. Person spent six hundred dollars on it. What is it? I forgot, and it's not even a good movie too. <laughs> but um, what's funny is in the documentary, the guy, the guy said he put the bid in as a joke, not thinking he would get it, and then he won the bid. But um, 
And the guy who sold it bought it for two dollars. Man, that rules. He just he... But yeah, it, it's funny because when you when you pull up the documentary on Peacock, you know, it kind of shows like an image from the movie and it just has this guy sitting in front of his shelf of VHSs and I can clearly see he has two copies of the original miniseries for Stephen King's It. Oh, nice. Yeah, the one with Tim Curry. Mm-hmm, yeah. So if a uh, little Tim Curry, you know what? You know what's funny is right after, right after I watched that documentary, I started going on uh, Facebook Marketplace. What's it called again? The documentary? It. Oh no, the uh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what's it called again? It. It's it's called adjust your tracking, but yeah, that that's my recommendation. Check it out. Lloyd Kaufman of Trauma Studios fame reception. Oh wow. It holds a 100% uh, Rotten Tomatoes score, which, like, Rotten Tomatoes is kind of dumb, but, you know, it's still nice to see something universally loved like that. People love documentaries, one, and then when it's something that kind of, like, takes them back to a time, I guess, like, a simpler time, yeah, it's going to have that effect, I suppose. But it is also, it's really good, really good, really informative, and it's going to make you want to run out and, uh to your nearest Goodwill and try to find a, a operating VHS player and CRT TV. <laughs> Luckily, I own a CRT slash VHS. You got, you got the combo? I got the combo. Oh, yep, that's it's it. upstairs. Uh, I haven't watched a VHS tape in a long, long time. I actually gave some away. Actually, it's funny. I recently was hanging out with somebody and they were like, let me show you my VHS nook. And like, it was a whole little like room like portion of a room where they had like chairs in front of a CRT and they had a VHS player and VHS tapes in front of there and I was just checking them out like that's awesome I always I always enjoy um like when people get a chance to show off their collection that they're really proud of yeah it's always nice to see some or to hear somebody you know be shown something that they uh are passionate about or be told something they're passionate about not necessarily in this case, like passionate about, oh. but just something you're proud of. Like you said, we need more of that in the world. We need people. Uh, we need people showing me stuff that they like, not showing me stuff that sucks. <laughs> I also think we need. Uh, we need. Never mind. Never mind. We're gonna. We're gonna oh. get a little too preachy in this episode. Well, let me tell you something. No, I was just gonna say that. Um, I like collectors who. They're not in a rush to like get a complete collection of whatever they're collecting. Like, I think the thrill of collecting is going on the hunt for things and finding them naturally, as opposed to yeah, let me go on eBay and pay you know four times the market value for this thing because I need to have it for my collection. And I completely get you know sometimes if you've been looking for something, yeah, if you've been looking for something for years and years and years and that's like your last missing piece. Like, yeah, go for it, you know, but it, it's also just kind of like the same theory in life, you know, enjoy the, the journey, not the destination. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Cause that, that, that's kind of, kind of how I am with uh, my Stephen King hardcover collection. Like I'm, I'm fully aware that it, until he stops writing, I'm going to have a hard time ever, you know, 
having a 100% complete collection and also just because those first few novels are really hard to find anyway and they're super expensive that I'm likely never gonna have a complete collection but it's still thrilling to like I'm actively collecting it and I might find it you know who knows you might but then again might not oh someone's balloon is floating away oh poor balloon I think that's uh our sign to go ahead and float away ourselves and wrap this episode up. <laughs> Rookies of the year, baby. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for making it to the end of the show. We really hope you enjoyed it. Like we said, we uh we had a good time talking Star Wars for the past few episodes, but two weeks we're gonna be back to our our regular scheduled programming, which is not scheduled because <laughs> <laughs> who knows what we're gonna talk about, <laughs> but. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to tweet us about what you've been nerding out on. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at NerdsCollidePod. And remember, the term nerd is rated E for everyone. So find your passion, embrace it, and be the nerd that you are. <laughs>